0: we help hospitals, help fix. One of the biggest problems in healthcare, something that a lot of people really struggle with is the billing process. That's one of the things that we make that a great patient experience. I'm definitely one that batches content. A lot of it is, is crowdsourced. When you can take something that is a feature that's core to somebody else's business and add it to yours for free, you really have a, a big competitive advantage that way.
1: This is the Content Capitalist Podcast. We talk to business owners who've used video to grow their businesses to a million dollars a year or more. How they did it, what worked, what didn't. Welcome to the Content Capitalists with your host, Ken Okazaki.
2: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Content Capitalist podcast, where we have conversations with people who are doing at least a million dollars a year in their business and also have doubled down on content creation for their business. Today I have with me a guest, his name is Jeff Mains. And the last time that we had physically hung out together, we're actually sitting around a fire pit on the beach. I think it must've been LA, uh, somewhere around there. And we had a long conversation and we had a lot of fun talking, but since COVID we haven't actually physically met again. This is the first time that we're hanging out again. Jeff, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Ken. It is great to be here. It's awesome to see you. I'll see you in a few weeks in person in Tokyo.
2: That's right. You're coming to Japan, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So guys, just to give you some perspective, I've got Jeff's bio here. CEO of Champion Leadership Group. Now, I don't know a cooler name than that. 20 years of experience in business growth, leadership development, helped countless businesses achieve their goals by maximizing employee performance and implementing successful marketing strategies. Dude, that, that's a lot of stuff to pack in there. Now, I know from meeting you in person and also a lot of our mutual friends and acquaintances that every bit of that is true. But what I want to do before we get into all that, first of all, give us a brief picture of, in your own words, what is your core business? What do you spend most of your time on that's generating the income so you could live the lifestyle that you live?
0: Sure. Well, I have a SaaS company, and so that is we're on the business side of healthcare. And so we help hospitals, health systems fix one of the biggest problems in healthcare, and that is the billing process. And that's something that a lot of people really struggle with is the billing process and just understanding that. So that's one of the things that we make that a great patient experience. And then because of my experience in SaaS and building companies, I work quite a bit with other SaaS founders and help them scale and grow their business as well. And so that's really the core of what I do is help remove roadblocks from my team. And I do the same thing for other founders and really try to be the mentor I wish that I had back in the beginning.
2: Love that. And when you say help them, is this like in a coaching capacity or is it like selling courses? Tell me a bit about how you help them. What's the medium?
0: Sure. It, it probably really is in a coaching capacity. We do have some courses. We've got lots and lots of content. I mean, that's one of the reasons that we're here because content is super important And being able to get the message out and help other people learn quickly. So you're not saying the same thing all the time, but do work one-on-one. We do work in small groups, specifically with them to help them remove roadblocks and grow their business in key areas.
2: And what was the next step after that?
0: Next step after that, bought into an existing printing company, uh, Print Office Supplies, and grew that. Really had some great partners and grew that, sold to, to Office Max. A handful of years later, had an opportunity at the same time as that was wrapping up video business. If you remember back in the old days of video rental stores, and there was a a lot of roll up, a lot of consolidation in that, and had a little group of video stores that was acquired by Blockbuster.
2: You know, what's so interesting for me is that none of these really seem to relate to each other, do they? It's not like you learned a certain trade and then you just keep going up that vertical. You're what I would call... correct me if I'm wrong, a pure entrepreneur. It's not about the art of renting videos out, (laughs) the art of office supplies. It's just the numbers, isn't it? Is that right?
0: It is. It's opportunity. And that was, you know, it wasn't looking for a specific thing. So retail and office supplies. And so it was something that was an opportunity. And, uh, you know, growing up in West Texas, I knew I wanted to do something that was not oil related. That's very much boom and bust, and I'd lived through both of those. And so I was really looking for opportunities. What is it that, that I want to do? What is it that I can do? And finding ways to put my skills to work, seeing an opportunity where there was a market that was in motion and able to go in and sell, able to go in and restructure, able to put some processes in place, able to get in front of really build a company. And again, this is something I think about in retrospect, but build a company that is attractive to somebody else.
2: I see, and we'll circle back there again. But do you believe that to make it attractive, it's all about having stable systems and team in place?
0: That is a huge part of it. Is having things that can be reproduced, so having a business that can function without you, and so that's one of the things. I've, in some other acquisitions, I've been required to stay on for a certain amount of time, and that's honestly not a lot of fun, and. But having something that that you can, that's going to continue on and run without you. It's one of the ways that I measure success. If I can leave or I can sell something and it can continue on and it can do better without me than even when I was there, which is very different. I think a lot of people want to sell it and walk away and go, Oh, I left and it cratered. And I think that's crazy. But having something that I can pass on and whether that's to employees, whether it's a sale, whether it is, Something that somebody else is just gonna run and I can take a back seat. I can be a chairman, I can be an owner, not an operator. I think that's really important to think about in business and build something that can continue on without your time and effort. Because that's the thing that's limited, is your time.
2: Absolutely. And with these different ventures, did you ever take on capital?
0: I did. I've funded lots of different ways. So funded doing SBA loans, I've funded, I've taken outside funding. I've done some vulture capital deals that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I haven't heard that term uh, before, yeah, but I've provided capital to a lot of deals. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So
0: lots of different ways.
2: I love it. Now I feel like I want to book another call with you just to talk about that because I thought my audience knows you may not know, but I'm actually in the process of raising a lot of capital for a new business I'm launching in the U.S. right now. And I come from a services background, right? You know what I do, the media creation. Even though that's great and we get to work with amazing people, it's really tough to scale because each person has unique needs. And with agency services, it's there's so many unique systems. And I guess the manpower is the biggest, biggest obstacle to scale rapidly. You can scale, but it's slow. But then there's also the risk of overhead if somebody drops out and things like that. So I'm really curious about that. But for the sake of the audience, let's go into the next thing. You've gone into a few different businesses. How many more stages was there before you, you found SaaS as the thing to really sink your teeth into and build an eight figure business on
0: there, there were a couple more. So I did, I had a, a company that did SAP consulting and grew that, and so that was relatively new. So in a a new place, new location, moved to Dallas and that grew up and again was acquired a couple of times over. After that, did a mortgage outsourcing company. And it's really interesting. They are completely different, but I think one of the things that ties them together is there's always been a technology component. At the office supplies, it was really about having systems in place. And we actually built a system for inventory tracking and accounting. And so one of the things that gave that business pretty significant value was doing corporate contracts. And we had some that we actually had stores set up inside large corporate facilities. At Video, it's the same way. So you have store that's tracking inventory and really kind of the next steps. And these were things that, that sort of existed at the time, but were relatively new. And the same thing was true with the mortgage outsourcing. If you look at, it actually started as an MBA project, which is fine. And so with that, I had some ideas of what might work and went out. And one of the things that you need to do is if we're going to have, if we're going to do this, we need to have a large lead pool. So where do we get that from? Well, at that point, there were a lot of refi boom was certainly in, in, in full swing. And there were a lot of banks, credit unions, regional banks that maybe they had a little bit of a mortgage department. But if they did, it was pretty minimal. And they may have five, 10 different loan programs, and that was it. So what we did is actually went out and interviewed bank presidents, said, hey, we're harmless MBA students, and if we did something like this, what would you like it to look like? And so they would tell us. And so then we built it, and six months later went back and said, hey, we gave here's exactly what you wanted. And so what we did is created a system that essentially aggregated 30,000 different loan programs. And you could put in some borrower parameters and it would give the agent back the top three based on the person's goals. If it was lowest interest rate, is it refi, is it cash out, is it terms, is it lowest payments, whatever it is that they wanted for their goals, it would search through all of those and bring back the top three. So they're able to have conversations. And then again, through technology, we're able to process those and close loans in three weeks where other companies were taking two, three, four months to close deals and able to do that pretty quickly. But it was all, if there's a thread that runs through them all, it is using technology to solve problems. And that kind of led into SaaS and the first SaaS company.
2: Wow. And are you a coder programmer back or did you partner with someone who is?
0: No, you would not want me to code. My coding experience is years and years and years ago, and I wasn't very good at it then. What I do is I come up with crazy ideas and then find somebody that's crazy enough to say yes and help build it. And so I work with really smart people to build the solutions that that I come up with. And how do you find these people? Well, interesting these days, a lot of it is through networking, through LinkedIn, through connections. Earlier on, it was networking meetings, you know, people that uh, in the local community. Anywhere that there was an aggregation of people, go and have conversations, find out what people are doing, find out what they're interested in. That's actually where some of the other ideas came from as well. So you know, if you're in one business and want to make a transition into another one, find out what's going on. You get in the deal flow, find out what the conversations, find out the conversations that are happening around you and get involved in those, have those conversations, really understand. And I think one of the things that I'm really good at is just being curious. Asking a lot of questions, having conversations, listening to what people are saying, and then taking that information and synthesizing it and saying, I think there may be an opportunity here. If we take this piece and we take this piece and if we put them together, then I think we could really have something.
2: Wow. It's just that simple. Be super curious. Connect with a lot of people and keep your mind open. I love that. Now. The question I want to pivot into is how are you communicating all those things you're talking about, the customer's experience, their frustrations, their pains, everything about them? How do you communicate that currently in order to market them, whether it's through email communication, social media, ads, whatever it is? Could you walk us through that?
0: Sure. We definitely do a lot of email because that's you think about where the audience is and what is it that they're consuming and so we do a lot of email. We do a lot of trade shows specifically for that business. In the coaching business, I do a lot more on social, a lot more. In both of them, we do a lot of video. I think video is one of the best ways of communication because not only do you have the face-to-face aspect of it, but you also, you can take those transcripts and can turn it into text. You can turn it into emails and then you have the audio. So there's lots of different ways. So however it is that somebody wants to consume that content, to consume that information, they're able to do that. And I think that's really unique that we can do that today. And it's something that didn't exist 10, 12, 15 years ago, at least not on the scale it did or it is now.
2: Can you walk me through the main difference you're seeing between marketing to other SaaS owners and marketing to your clients of the SaaS business? What are the key differences we should be looking for depending on what kind of business we're in?
0: Well, I think just like I said, it's really where are they? How do they want to consume information? What is it that they're looking for? SaaS owners are very much online. And so there's a lot of places where we can go and online and very familiar with technology, where a lot of the buyers of our SaaS solution are less familiar with technology. They really understand that the revenue cycle in healthcare and very good at that. Some of them came up through the healthcare ranks and understand that. But technology may be a little bit outside. So you contrast that with SaaS founders. Most of them are very comfortable with technology. And one, know your audience, know how they communicate, know where they hang out, know what kind of messaging resonates with them. And so I think that really comes with understanding, you know, who they are, what their background is. And there are plenty of tech. There are SaaS founders that are non-technical. Yeah. I'm one of those. I'm a sales marketing guy. I'm not a, a coder, but I am fairly familiar with technology and not scared of it. And so think about that.
2: Pretty much you're like Steve Jobs. (laughs) I don't know about that. I love that. And okay, what channels are working best when it comes to finding SaaS owners? Is it I know we've got the big ones, which is YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. Where are you kind of spreading out your social media energy?
0: Primarily, we've done quite a bit on Facebook, which I, I didn't know if that would really work in the beginning, but it's worked pretty well. YouTube, I think is fantastic. And we're actually got some new things that are on the works for YouTube and where we've had the greatest success has been LinkedIn. Yeah, I think that's, if you look at the social platforms, that's one that is maybe a little bit further behind as far as embracing video, embracing community. And I think they're getting better, but even the ad platform is so far behind of where Facebook is. We've not done a lot on TikTok. So that's one of the things we're experimenting with now is the audience there. I don't know, but the only way we're going to find out is, is putting some content out there and seeing what kind of engagement we get and see what kind of response. And so we just started doing some of that this last week and it looks like there may actually be an audience there.
2: Yeah. it's, It's actually quite amazing. I'm noticing this aging up trend, right? Where I think Facebook kind of leads the pack. The ones that died are like MySpace and a few of those that came before. Right. Right. But they started for college students in Stanford and then that was what 10 years ago so now it's 30s and 40s people who are all hanging out in there is it 10 years 15 years ago i can't remember it's a long time ago
0: it's been a while yeah but
2: every new every new platform starts targeting the 20 the 15 to 25 year old range right and then as time passes they age up and the new one's going to target the the new people at that age. So it's just this interesting trend. So if you see SAS owners in that 20 to 25 or 15 to 25 year old range, then absolutely. I think you'll find them there on TikTok. And then, but now TikTok's like five, five years old. So that's going to be like 20 to 30 year olds, right? And it just keeps aging up.
0: Right, right. And that kind of is the sweet spot. Say, you know, 25 to 54 is just kind of the sweet spot.
2: That's super. And all the 50 year olds are still there. They're just lurking. They don't post as much, but they're there. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that's what we found
2: watching and liking watching and liking. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. And what happens is you think that you're talking to nobody and, you know, nothing's happened. Maybe you get some likes and then all of a sudden somebody reaches out and says, Hey, let's do something together. I'm like, where did you come from? Well, I've, I've consumed everything that you put out, love this stuff. want to work with you. And it's not that you get that instant feedback. And I think that's one of the things that, that people miss when they look at social Is I put it up and it didn't blow up. It didn't go viral. It's not huge, but it's that consistency over time that makes such a difference. And there are people that are watching, there are people that are consuming and checking you out from a distance, which they can do. They're empowered buyers, which is something very different than it was 20 years ago. So they're consuming, making those buying decisions without ever engaging. You don't even know they're there. And then they show up.
2: Amazing. Tell me a little bit about your content strategy. How do you, like some people batch things, some people do them live on the go scheduled. Just walk me through that. How do you come up with the topics, editing it, posting it, converting people into from leads to customers and things like that? Could you give us that roadmap?
0: Sure. Well, I'm definitely one that batches content. And so we source, we've got a pretty significant email list. We have a good community. We have lots of clients. And so constantly asking them, what questions do you have? What challenges do you have? Um, and you know, then answering those questions. So a lot of it is, is crowdsourced. Some of it is content that I come up with and, and some, you know, in the, the podcast or just in, in answering questions. Some of it is just, you know, crazy things that are going on in my head. It's a scary place. And so, you know, you have an idea and you put some content out there and just say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And so kind of having that two-way conversation. So it's not just, you know, me articulating my wisdom, you know, out to the, the world, uh, but having a real conversation, talking about things that matter, uh, being able to to pass on some things, talk about not just the the good things that I've done, the the dumb things that I've done, and that's a pretty long list, especially after all this time. And so, just having that that conversation uh, with somebody. So when they ask a question, be able to answer them. And and I love being able to credit them with asking the question. So be able to to talk to them. You just like you and I are talking here. So, you know, have a, a conversation and start that because other people will see that and they'll go, "Well, I want to know about this. And so they just, I, I think, really kind of feeds the loop and provides more content or, or more questions uh, to answer. So more things to talk about.
2: I want to pivot a little bit as we come to the close of this interview. As somebody who's built multiple businesses, exited multiple businesses, owning a eight-figure plus, you know, SaaS business and another coaching business that's close to eight figures. I, whatever you say is going to be valuable to me here and the audience, and that is with AI having come in like a sledgehammer around the end of 2022 and everybody jumping on the bandwagon now, people are already selling courses on it. It's, it's uh, you know, it, I don't know if this is a fad or if this is really going to fundamentally change how businesses, especially technology businesses around the world, operate. Could you give me your thoughts on that? And how have you been you know, uh, adapting or adjusting to it?
0: Well, AI is definitely here to stay. You know, it's something that, that's that been around in the, the commercial world for a while. In our, our SaaS business, we use it for analyzing call recordings, uh, making sure people are saying the things they should and not saying things they shouldn't. Uh, we use it in, uh, you know, offers and uh, financial analysis. So, you know, AI is you know relatively new, I think, to the consumer market uh, in the past few years. It has definitely blown up. But it's it's here to stay for sure, and there are ways that I think we can use it. There are ways that we can we can profit from it, not necessarily selling courses, uh, but you know that's kind of to be expected that those things pop up pretty quickly. Uh, AI has its place, and so those that fight against it, I think, will lose. Those that use it and use it well, I think, really have a a big opportunity to win. Um, the thing that AI can't do is it can't think. It can't have vision it can't uh, see the future it can't create at least not yet not the way that that people can and you know you can make pictures and things like that but still it's not the same as a, as a person but it can't decide what business vision is it can't adapt to the the future and so you know maybe it can we can create some predictive models but it can't think about things in the same way it can't synthesize information in the same way that a person can And so I think that's going to be one of the differences. So, you know, people will use it to to try and game SEO. Algorithms will probably change. And uh, so that's not going to be a long-term solution. Uh, It can give you really good ideas. So if you're thinking about social content, what should I post? What things are interesting? You know, not just generating a list and posting it or or trying to, to game the system for keywords, but, you know, use it for some ideas. And that's one of the ways that I've used it in being able to ask questions and so some things will show up in a list and go, huh, you know, I hadn't really thought about that being there. So how does that relate to something else over here? And how can we take those things and, and put them together? You know, what does, you know, just in, in my podcast, we were talking about uh, data security and, and monkeys being stolen from the Dallas Zoo. What do those things have in common? Data security and monkeys. Uh, you know, it's not something that AI can necessarily come up with. But you know, it, it, you can draw some interesting parallels, analogies, things like that. Uh, but if you can use it to spur your own creativity, I think that's one of the greatest uses of AI, at least in in what we're looking at with ChatGPT and OpenAI. Uh, one of the greatest uses that we can you know take and, and put that into practice as content creators. And it's interesting. I've, I've used that since it was conversion.ai and then Jarvis and Jasper, kind of you know all the iterations, and you know, it's technology is going to change. Technology is going to advance. And so I think that's one of the things that we'll start seeing is some of the bigger players when you can take something that is a feature that's core to somebody else's business and add it to yours for free because, you know, it's just an additional feature in something that's a bigger solution. Um, you really have a, a big competitive advantage that way. So, you know, what would I tell them is, you know, figure out, you know, what what is it that you can do Or, you know, what is it that you have? And it could be their client base. It could be, uh, you know, technology. It could be some other expertise. But what can you do to take that the next step? You know, is it just making something better, faster, cheaper? Is it taking that client base and moving them to something else, being able to to sell them something different? Is it something that you can do to take that? And what are the other applications of that? Uh, What other tools do, you know, your clients use that, uh, that you can take? And what if you could build something else and add it to that? So I think it's really looking at how do you differentiate yourself in the market? Because there is always going to be competition. There's always going to be somebody that comes in and is a, a lower cost player.
2: Okay. Um, I had this business model where we'd plan and shoot content, edit it. But now there are 30 or 40 people on my feed every week who are saying, Hey, I'll shoot you Alex Hormozzi style videos for this much or that much. And then there's these, you know, really cheap options on Fiverr and Upwork and things like that. And, uh, I did really similar to what you just said. I was just like, what else can we do? And we went higher. That means that we, we had a service for was $3,000 a month recurring. And now we said to our clients, Hey, what if we actually take over your social media for you? And we upped our game. So we have like a 14 to $30,000 a month package, which is like taking over much more of the operations. And then we have a lower one, which is much, much cheaper. Where it's just one hour a month shoot with a coach and we plan the content, edit it, get it back to you in a week or less, or you don't pay. And that's a super simple, easy package that can scale rapidly. And then the higher end one, which takes a lot of effort, a lot of manpower, but the clients who pay are worth it. So that middle section that everybody crowded into, we just stopped marketing to that because like, it just became samey. Everybody else is doing it. So uh, as you were explaining that, I was like, yeah, I think we kind of inadvertently did that without thinking of it the same way you described it. So thank you for crystallizing that for me.
0: That's really important because the market changes all the time like that. And so it's, if you just sit and do the, the same thing, there's going to be 100 other companies that you know, say whether they actually do the same thing or not. I know that those companies don't do the same thing you do. Cause I know the quality of your work, but it's really easy for them from the outside to say that. And somebody that doesn't know is like, well, Hey, I can, I can get, you know, 30 of these for, for, you know, $50. So why would I pay you? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not always apples to apples, but then looking at, you know, what assets do I have? How can I redeploy those? How can I take this to the next iteration? How can I innovate? And I think that's really important is to continually innovate and stay ahead. And so, at least at that point, if people are taking shots at you, they got to you know aim for the sky.
2: We're almost out of time here. Uh, I w- I'd love to know if somebody wants to get in touch with you. They they got for some for some reason they heard this and they're inspired to to want to learn more about you. Perhaps get in your program. Where's the best place to go to find uh, out that that first
0: step? Sure, you can reach me on all social media. It's at Jeff K. Mains uh, or. Check out our website at championleadership.com or listen to the podcast, SAS Fuel. You can go to sassfuel.com, subscribe on any platform you like.
2: Thank you so much. You've been an awesome guest. I personally enjoyed this a lot. I think that uh, anybody who stuck around to the end of this, uh, you would have gotten tons of value. And uh, thank you very much for listening.
1: You've been listening to the Content Capitalist Podcast. Conversations with million-dollar business owners about turning content into cash. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Ken has been a video producer for 15 years and created hundreds of video marketing campaigns for high-profile CEOs. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll see you soon. But in the meantime, hit the website for additional free content at contentcapitalist.com.